Um, people on Twitter, they want to know when the book is dropping on the 2020 Lakers title run at the um, Disney bubble. <laughs> I'm not the guy to write it. Because <laughs> I don't think people are nostalgic for a, a mm-hmm. season that they didn't really get to enjoy except on TV. You know, like I think people hated that year. I know the Lakers won and that was cool. Mm-hmm. You got to have nostalgia in a book for a book to succeed. And I just don't think people feel very nostalgic about that season or anything with COVID, you know? Do you think that that title deserves like a little asterisk that people put on it just because they had like, I think it was like five months off? No, I actually think in a lot of ways, it was a lot harder to win. Um, You know, it took a lot, took a lot of, I'm sure a lot of guys just wanted to get the hell out of there and didn't want to spend all that time in a bubble. It's a freaking nightmare. So not at all. If anything, it's a very worthy title. Just fans couldn't enjoy it the way they normally do. It's unfortunate. All right. I think my best memory of the bubble was seeing a Clippers blow that 3-1 lead. No, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just, I don't know. Something about empty arenas and, you know, it just, I wouldn't say it's a joyful memory. I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be a book that many people would read, maybe outside of Laker fans. So. Are you a sneakerhead? A baller? Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready because we got all the details right here. It's Kicks and Bricks, where we got game on the streets and on the court. Here's your host, Jamel Cutler. We're in season two of Winning Time. You know, firstly, how does it feel to have, you know, a book that you've written, you know, be the basis of a successful, you know, HBO series? Uh, I feel like I won the lottery. I actually do feel like I won the lottery. First of all, financially, you get paid. So it is a little bit. I mean, it's not like winning a million dollar lottery, but that you definitely get paid. And then um, it's just really cool. Like as a writer, it's not like you think about this stuff. I never thought to myself, oh, it'd be cool if one day there's a TV show based on my book. It was never even a thought. I just write because I enjoy writing. So from seeing the show to the different friends I've made to just the connections and the the, the experiences, it's been it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Sincerely, one of the best things that's ever happened to me. You know, how did how did this all come about? I mean, it was uh, the book came out in 2014, Showtime. And um, I got a call from a screenwriter named Jim Hecht. And he said, I really love the book. And can I come to your house and talk about possibly uh, optioning it? And I was like, OK. And I lived in New York at the time, New Rochelle. And this guy comes to my house. I didn't know who he was. My dog is barking. I'm going to close the door. I didn't know who he was or what he um, what he represented. His only credit at the time was Ice Age 2. Um, so it wasn't like he was a basketball guy. And um, he came to my house. He was really nice. I said, all right, you can. He wanted to basically try and sell the idea of it and sell a screenplay of it. I never thought anything would happen. Years pass, nothing happens. At some point, Adam McKay wants to meet and talk. I don't even know who Adam McKay is, to be honest, but I say, okay, me with Adam McKay a couple of years ago, 2019, I start reading articles and that are sent to me from Hollywood publications about this Laker series coming on about my book. And before you know it, I'm uh, I'm on a studio lot. I'm on the Warner lot in Hollywood and they're making a show. It's the craziest thing ever. Honestly, craziest things ever happened to me. You know, we're a few episodes into season two. Like I kind of jumped ahead on my screeners account um like what are your thoughts on the new season so far i mean i love it i love the idea of um 
of taking sort of bird and magic and really working on that rivalry and what it meant and what it was and what it symbolized. I think it's really smart. I also think the actor who plays uh, Larry Bird, Sean Patrick Small, is phenomenal. I think he nails Bird. And obviously the actor who plays Magic, uh, Quincy Isaiah, nails Magic. So I think that conflict is really smart. And obviously, I, I mean, I'm 51 years old, so the 80s are right in my wheelhouse. So I lived through a lot of that. And the intensity of the heat and the hatred of the two franchises was very real. So I kind of dig how they they capture it. And, and it's just neat that like, there's a show and I wrote these scenes in my book and then I'm actually seeing them unfold in a dramatic way. It's just, I think it's really well done. I'm very happy with it, honestly. You know, one of my favorite things about the, um about the, well, not about last season in, in particular is when you guys highlighted the Lakers and Celtics rivalry. Yeah. And, um, when they was in a the huddle, there was like, fuck, like one, two, three, fuck Boston. I actually yeah. have as my, as one of my ringtones when somebody from that area like text me or, or calls me. Oh, that's very funny. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny. I grew up a New Jersey Nets fan because like you, I'm from New York. And I, when I was a kid, I hated Boston just because they always beat the crap out of my New Jersey Nets. And I liked the Lakers just because I would be cold in New York and they would show Lakers Celtics live from Inglewood and the forum and the palm trees and the beach and the Laker girls and the celebrities and it just felt like this fantasy universe. So I'm kind of with you. Like I, there's no love. There's never been a love in my life for Boston sports team, especially I grew up a Jets fan. So, you know, you hate the Patriots. Oh, wow. Jets fan. And my first book was about the 86 Mets and they beat the Red Sox in the World Series. So I've always enjoyed the New York Boston rivalry from a New York standpoint. As, as long as the, as long as the NYC faction is, you know, on top of things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Whether it's yeah. Knicks, Nets, Jets, Giants, Yankees, Mets, whatever. Yeah, but it hasn't been so great. I mean, Boston's really <laughs> had their run of the last two decades, you know, with the Patriots and the Red Sox and, you know, the Celtics. So it hasn't been, I mean, no. The whole the whole Kyrie, Durant, Harden thing was an utter disaster. So uh, what can you do? Facts, man. All right. Um, kind of jumping back into the show. I kind of like that you guys have the dark humor aspect to the show, kind of like The Sopranos, but in a less dramatic fashion. Like, do you think that aspect of the show, you know, kinds of make it popular, you know, amongst, you know, people online? Well, I think, I think when you do a show like this, one of the things you can't do is make it a quote unquote basketball show. Like if you just make it a basketball show and you just make it about the on-court stuff, you're losing 90% of your audience. You know, like sports fans are a specific type. And if I want my mom to watch it and my dad to watch it, there has to be more. So I like I actually said to my wife last night, I really like the interplay of the Lakers in the uh, in the locker room. Like I like seeing Magic and Cooper and, you know, Jim Jones and Kareem sort of engaging with each other, trash talk with each other, the little intricacies. I think Magic's side story is really interesting. I think Jerry Buss growing into himself as an owner is really interesting and that they interject humor. I mean, most of the actors or many of the actors are comedic. I mean, certainly John C. Riley, his background is in, in comedy. So, yeah, I think it's very smart. You can't can't just be a basketball show. If it's just a basketball show, you're going to have no audience whatsoever. You know, and kind of staying on that topic, you know, I kind of like seeing Pat Riley's um, backstories, and it kind of makes me, like, respect them, you know, even more as a coach, even though he ditched the Knicks the way he did way back oh, when. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, Riley's a freaking, you know, say what you want about him. And he wasn't always good for the media to deal with either. But like the guy is a great, great coach with a really interesting background. He's a kid from Schenectady, New York, who had a hard scrabble upbringing. And his dad was a kind of failed big league ball player. And like his development and his rise to me, is really, 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 really interesting. And whether you love Riley or hate Riley, he's certainly one of the five greatest coaches in NBA history. You could argue number one. So, Oh, big facts, man. Yeah. Um, you know, and what I also like about this show is um, you said it's not only a basketball show, but when you look at the basketball action is is kind of um, is for the time period. Like you don't see people like doing um, like dunks from behind the free throw line or, you know, kind of some of the unrealistic the unrealistic stuff that that Hollywood kind of imposes on basketball movies. Definitely. And on um, TV shows. And also like the sneakers are for the time period too. Oh. Yeah, that's what I was paying attention to the most. From day one, the attention to detail has been ridiculous. Actually, very, very, very early on when this first started, I got a call from the production department asking me if I knew what the material of the 1980... Um, 1979 Adidas summer league uniforms were made of. And if I could get pictures of the summer league and they really, I remember when I went on set for the first time and the balls are the real balls from 79. They reproduced the balls. The Laker offices are just like the Laker offices. And like, it would be stupid if all of a sudden Kareem was doing double clutch reverse dunks. It wouldn't make any sense. Or if magic was, it wasn't the game back then. Every now and then there was a Dr. J or Dominique Wilkins who would do that stuff, but it wasn't the game. Even like, if you pay close attention, they're really careful about the lingo and the way athletes like Larry Bird was a very straightforward trash talker. So it'd be weird if you start telling your mama jokes, you know, or like it just wasn't, it has to be time period sensitive. And and I think they really nailed it. It always reminds me of when James Cameron did Titanic. I remember reading about that, how obsessed he was over the plates and what the boat looked like and all that stuff. And I felt like with this show, there was a lot of that. And, and there was a lot of detail in the arena too like if you look at boston garden and compare pictures is like it's pretty accurate to oh, the time. it's amazing honestly it's amazing like mm-hmm. whether people like the show hate the show don't care about the show whatever you cannot take away from the production the attention even if, okay even if you look at the players like the, when the laker teams are jogging out of the locker room like i noticed this season for 70 uh 80 81 they're playing in 80 81 and there are guys on that roster who weren't on the roster the year before. And they made sure, even if these were guys who never played, when they're jogging out onto the court and you look at the back of their jackets where they would have their last names, you see names like Hardy and Rambis, obviously, and guys like that who weren't there the year before. Like, they make sure to be very precise. Yep. And a character that's oh, a player that's not there from the previous season is Spencer Haywood. And, like, I kind of think Wood Harris, he, think, he did a hell of a job playing him, especially – when he portrayed his um drugs his drug struggles oh yeah 100 percent um first of all wood harris is a big time big time actor you know from the wire and uh wait was that oh both plays creed the trainer both creeds on and on and on and on remember the titans and um yeah he's i mean i'm telling you i'm not just saying this it's ridiculous when you're me and you're just this guy who wrote a book and you have no ties to Hollywood, no ties to any of this. And they're like, oh, yeah, uh, your show, Wood Harris, Sally Field, John C. Riley, Adrian Brody, Jason Clark, Jason Siegel, on and on and on and on and on. All these huge A-list actors 
It's just insane. Like Wood Harris is a legit superstar. He was an above the rim with Tupac. I mean, come on. And here he is in a show based on your book. It's phenomenal. You know, if you have any NBA player kind of portraying somebody from that time period, you know, on this show, like who would it be? You know, because I kind of think Kyrie would kind of be a good actor. Oh, Kyrie's insane. That's one problem with Kyrie. Um, you know, it's funny, actually. What I really wanted, they didn't do, and it's all right. But like, I thought it would have been cool to have like J. Cole play someone. J. Cole is a really good basketball player. Um He's culturally important, culturally significant, or Drake or someone like I would like. I wish they had had more sort of hip hop guys, you know, involved. I think that would have been cool. But basketball wise, I think Kyrie is too. It's funny. If you took Kyrie Irving right now and zapped him back in time to 1980 and took him now as a player, nobody could stop him. He would average 70 points a game in the 1979 80 NBA season. He just was, does things nobody else, you know, could possibly do. I think Jokic would be interesting because back in the day, all these teams, you know, every team back in the day and kind of the racist age of uh, where the NBA was quote unquote too black had to have a white Goonie center. And it'd be mm -hmm. fun to see Jokic who's so skilled in anything but a white Goonie center playing a white Goonie center. And um, coincidentally, he kind of fits the way that the Celtics used to play offensively too, with the ball movement. Oh yeah. Jokic would be, Jokic could play in any era. I mean, there's certain guys, there's certain guys even now in the NBA, like Jimmy Butler would be a hell of a 79, 80 ball player. He would fit right in, you know, fundamentally solid, you know, not the great, Jimmy Butler, not the greatest athlete of all time, but a great athlete, you he know, guys like that. Hmm? he gets, he gets the job done. So job done, gritty, hard nose. He would be a good Celtic actually. You know, um, a lot of people, they want to know the possibility of expanding, you know, winning time in the future, you know, um, I think a few seasons about the Kobe and Shaq Lakers with, with, with Phil Jackson, I think that'll be must see TV. I'm going to tell you the truth and I'm being hundred percent sincere about this. Mm -hmm. This show needs to get good ratings for it to continue. Like it's just the nature of TV, right? It needs good ratings. I agree with you hundred percent. It would be awesome for this to go on. They optioned my book three ring circus about the Shaq Kobe Lakers, but it, we have to do ratings. So if you, your, your viewers, blah, 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 give the show a chance. I think you can go on for a good period of time. There are a lot, there are a lot of characters developed. There's a lot to go on to. It just is a matter of like having an audience, a sustained audience. No, speaking of sustained audiences, you know, I know last season, you know, a few real life counterparts, they had issues with the show. Has anybody reached out and um and said, you know, this, this show is a good show and you guys are doing, you know, excellent work. So well, far. the one guy is um, the guy who played uh, backup to Kareem, Jim Jones. He's a character in the show and he loves the show and he's been very positive about the show. There are a couple of other guys, too. I actually the funny thing is the I know Lakers management actually really enjoys the show. They probably wouldn't say so publicly, but they've definitely enjoyed it. And they've reached out to people with the show. I mean, Jeannie's uh, fiance, Jay Moore, appears as an actor in episode seven this season. So. Oh. I don't think he would do that. Yeah, yeah, he plays Kareem's agent in episode seven. So I don't think that would happen if they weren't okay with the show. Um, so I feel like, honest to God, I feel like the show comes out, the Lakers aren't involved, Jerry West, Kareem Magic say they're kind of peace, uh, blah, 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 blah. But I think the reality is most people with basketball ties dig the show. And I also know like later this week, today's Tuesday on Thursday, the 76ers are doing a team screening of the show for their entire roster and, and organization, oh, wow. which is great. 
And I feel, I wish, I would love for all teams to do that. I think we should reach out to all the teams and say, look, here's a show. We'd love to do a show with you guys because the NBA guys seem to love it. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a good show. And, um, you know, and like you said, you guys need ratings, you know, to keep it going. Yeah. And um, say if it does keep going into the future and you guys get like Kobe and Shaq, that era, yeah. like, like, like who would you cast as, you know, Kobe, Shaq, and um, Phil Jackson. So here's the thing. I don't really have a sexy answer for you because um, the casting department did such a phenomenal job. And I'm not just saying that. I would say this if I had nothing to do with the show. The Kareem um, Magic casting, I think they could have done it. They could have worked 20 more years and they wouldn't have nailed it any better than they did. I think Quince Isaiah, seriously, the guy's a, he had no IMDb page whatsoever. He had no resume whatsoever. He acted locally. He's from Michigan. He was a football, an offensive lineman at Kalamazoo College who auditioned for the role and just clicked. And Solomon Hughes was a six foot 10 center at Cal. He's in his early 40s. He hadn't acted before. And he just, he's stoic and he's smart and he's thoughtful and he kind of is Kareem. So, like, they nailed these characters. I can't even, if you said to me, like, who'd you cast as Shaq? I have no idea. Like, I don't know how you do cast Shaq. Kobe, you could be like, I don't know, some like, I don't know, a young African-American actor who blah, 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 has charisma. But like, that doesn't do it justice, the level of like amazement that I, especially when I see Quincy as magic. I just like, it's like a lightning bolt. I don't even know how they cast this. It's so preposterously good. You know, his name escapes me at the moment. Um, But the guy that plays Norm Nixon, his son. Oh, Devon. He does a hell of a job too. Like if you, like if you listen to the real Norm Nixon and then like compare his voice and his mannerisms to the show, like you would think like he um, traveled through time pretty much. I agree. I actually said to my wife last night, I think, you know, a lot of attention is given to the veteran actors, which they've earned that acclaim. I think Devon just holds his own with all of them. I think he's as good as them. I think he's a just a plus actor. I think he wears that role really well. Um, He's just a pro. He also, interestingly, he played Whitney Houston's son in The Bodyguard. So- Oh, really? That was him? The little boy? Yeah. So he's been around. He was a child actor. And um, now he plays his dad. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. And I know he's on Snowfall too. Like he he plays different roles or whatever. He's great. He's great. He's just great. He knows what he's doing. He knows his way around a set. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, oh, sorry. Okay. Lastly, people, the people want to know, is there like another team from yesteryear that deserves like a, a TV show series that you want to see covered? Like me personally, yeah. I kind of want to see like the 90s Knicks get covered because if you're from like I like I grew up in that era, so you know, that era to me is the golden age, like the 80s is to like your generation, like the 90s to me. Sure. Um, well, first of all, there's a great book. I don't know if you read it, Blood in the Garden by Chris Herring about the 90s Knicks. Yep. Uh, and Chris is a friend of mine. And that's great. That'd be, I agree with you. I mean, they were bad. The only problem with that team that's a little bit of a flaw is they didn't win. Like they didn't win. Now you can work your way around that. But like that is a problem. But maybe that maybe you do it in the Chicago Bulls or the enemy. Like there's always Jordan getting in the way of Ewing and Starks and you just kind of, um, I wrote a book about the nineties Dallas Cowboys called boys will be boys. And I think the Dallas Cowboys of the nineties are made. And I'm not just saying, cause I wrote it are made for this kind of thing too. Number one, 
they're villainous. Everyone hates or loves the Cowboys, even more than the Lakers. Like the Cowboys are hated. Jerry Jones can be a loathsome figure as this kind of owner, this egomaniacal owner. They had charismatic stars, Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, Trey Aikman. So I just like a lot of drugs, a lot of sex, all that stuff. You know, like I actually think 90s Cowboys would be a pretty sweet spot for me. You know, speaking of drugs and sex and all of that, <laughs> you know, well, well, we'll make a good show. Let's talk about drugs and sex. Yeah. <laughs> the 86 Mets. Boy, you know, I wrote a book about them. That'll be must-see TV. I'm a hundred million percent behind you. Um, ESPN did a four part 30 for 30 that came out two years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was in that a lot. They, they used my book. I love that team. I love everything about it. It's gritty New York city. It's like when times square, you could get a hooker or go to a peep show or buy your bag of whatever, you know, like that was the New York back then. And I just think it's an amazing time in New York city, the pre Disneyfication of times square. Yeah. Dykstra and Gooden and strawberry and Hernandez and Carter. Man, if you want to put some money in, I'm all in. Do you want to buy the rights and, you know, you can put down a couple mil? Let's do it. Yep. We used to be a proper country. That's, and that's yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Um, do you have any other upcoming projects that you're working on? Any new books or? I am, uh, I'm doing, so I've written 10 books and I decided I want to try a non-sports book. So as we speak, I'm writing the biography of Tupac Shakur. So that's my oh, new wow, book. Really? So, uh. I'm all about 90s hip hop right now in sort of New York and Baltimore and Northern California. And so, uh, yeah, Tupac. When is that coming out? 2025. I don't know the month yet. It's due in about eight months. And I'm losing my mind as I do with all books. But this one's really hard. But, um, you know, it's really cool. It's good. You know, hopefully by that time, you know, I think I think everybody knows who who killed them by now. But I think. Hopefully by that time, you know, this case will be officially closed. And let me ask you a question, but you have to be honest with me, okay? Mm -hmm. Did you shoot Tupac? Not me. I I was nowhere near near Las Vegas back then. All right, just checking. Cause I'm, you know, I'm trying to find it. I think everyone knows. I agree with you. Like it's mm -hmm. not a mystery. It's always it's always weird how it's like, oh, it's so mysterious who shot Tupac. And it's like, we all kind of know. <laughs> you know, if you beat up. If you beat up a guy from a rival gang in Las Vegas, and then less than an hour later, he shoots you in the front seat of a car. I don't know how big of a mystery it is. You know, the surrounding circumstances, sure. But who the actual shooter was, I don't think that mysterious. And not to mention his uncle has, you know, been doing interviews about it for years now. So. Years. For years, KTD. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Tupac. So I think that would be, um, and hopefully they can adapt that into like a new Tupac movie because, you know, um, All Eyes on Me, you know, I supported it because that was his official movie. But, yeah, but you know, yeah, I really didn't like it too much. It was weird, right? Because the guy looked like Tupac, kind of talked like Tupac. And I'm not saying he's a bad actor, but I did not feel like he embodied Tupac. Like there's something about Tupac. And I just feel like that guy didn't quite, maybe the movie just didn't quite get you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think the guy from Unsolved did a better job playing Tupac. Yeah. I, you can't just have a guy who looks like him. You have to do more than, you know what I mean? Like, you can't just be he looks like him because you have to embody him. I actually think that's what Quincy does really well as magic. He embodies magic. And you can't just have a lookalike. You have to do more than just have a lookalike. So. Mm -hmm.